carry exclusively 100% certified kosher products. Fresh raw meats, fresh raw poultry, fresh delicatessen, which we manufacture ourselves. That's what it sounded like as the owner of Omnitsky's Deli in Vancouver, Ephraim Rappaport, proudly takes a local food critic on a tour of his kosher deli restaurant and store. Epi, as everyone calls him, has run the deli business for over 40 years. It started in Winnipeg, where he grew up, as the son of the late Rabbi Rappaport from the Rosh Pina Synagogue. After Epi finished university, he bought the Omnitsky's deli business from the founder, Louis Omnitsky, and then 25 years ago, he moved it west to Vancouver, because he liked the weather better, and he opened Omnitsky's deli in Vancouver. He also runs a large kosher meat processing plant, too, where he churns out hot dogs and salami and Montreal-style smoked meat and all kinds of fresh cuts of meat and poultry. And so why are you hearing about this kosher institution? Because Epi's factory and his store are the only local butchers and producers of kosher fresh meat in all of Western Canada, the only facility west of Toronto. But now he's just turned 65 and he's tired and he's looking to sell or maybe be forced to close if no one buys the company with its century-old tradition of Jewish food history. Unfortunately, everything's moving towards uh, big grocery stores looking for big volume on core products only. They're not even interested in this consumer base that I'm talking about, which represents a large portion of the Jewish population in North America. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, October the 25th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Epi's kosher meat products are sold all around Western Canada, on cruise ships and on airline meals, at hospitals and nursing homes, even for provincial jails in B.C., His most famous customer was the American movie star and singer Bette Midler. But the future of Omnitsky's present location on Oak Street may be the deal breaker for anybody interested in buying. The owner of the strip mall will be tearing it down soon as part of the massive redevelopment of the area, which is where the new Jewish Community Center is going to be going up called J-West, and Epi doesn't want to go through all the upheaval and uncertainty. So he took an ad out in the recent CJN magazine, which came out in September, hoping somebody will buy both the store and the factory, the trade name, and his delivery trucks. Coming up, Omnitsky's owner will be here to tell us why he's selling, even though he feels a great responsibility to help provide fresh kosher meat to the Jewish community. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Michael Posner in Forest Hill Village, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Anita Neville was officially sworn in Monday as Manitoba's next lieutenant governor, but she's the first Jewish person in the history of the province to hold the job. The ceremony for Neville took place at the Manitoba legislature. She's a former Liberal Member of Parliament who was in office for over a decade. Now she's 80. She talked about how she hopes to follow the tradition of tikkun olam, or repairing the world, as she takes office for the next five years. And it was a very Jewish swearing-in ceremony. Rabbi Annabel Mass of Winnipeg's Sharazetic Synagogue blew a long series of blasts on a shofar as he blessed her. We'll play some of what that all sounded like and her acceptance speech at the end of the show. And joining me now from his home in Vancouver is Ephraim Epi Rappaport. We advertised your ad in the Canadian Jewish News. The word got out that you are looking to open a new chapter in your life with Omnitsky's in Vancouver. And this is kind of how it happened, right? 
I'd started working in this business in 1979. And I've been running this for 40 odd years. And I'm just at a point in time in my life where uh, I felt it's time to hand the reins over to younger blood. Now that the news is getting out, what reaction have you been getting as people have, you know, found out? They say, if you close up shop, what are we going to do? That's the number one reaction I get. So automatically I feel guilty for even going down this path as a Jew. But... um, my mental health and physical health are more important. So I'm going to do my best to try and find a suitor, but that is the backup plan. And what about like uh, splitting them off? So you just close the retail store and keep the wholesale delivery business. That is an option as also well for you? Also on the table, yeah. Also potential. I don't know. Since this whole process is brand new and the ad just broke two weeks ago, um, I don't know what I'm going to do going forward. So... We'll see. People might want to obviously ask the question, well, you have a family, you have, why not keep it in the family? If it's all a question of hours and, and how much work you're tired, right? I have two daughters, grown adults with their own careers. Um, I'm not interested in them coming into the business and they're not interested in coming into the business. Just not for them. And you're still working the usual amount of hours, right? Or have you already started to offload to managers and what have you? No, I've offloaded managers at the retail store. I don't nearly work as long as I have to. I still start early every single day. Um, I still put in about a seven-hour day. Yeah. What, What's time that? You, what time do you get in? I get in at six. And you, people might not know that you also have to go and supervise the factory on the... Uh, well, that's where I start my day, actually, is I set up their roles for that particular day, what they need to produce. And then uh, I get it to the store with my driver. And then sometimes I'll go to the store for an hour or two just to check on things and make sure everything's kosher. Speaking of which, you said you have people on staff full-time that are there all day long at both the store and the factory to make sure that everything is uh, kosher and uh, acceptable by the mashkir. Is that still true? Is that Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Necessary to keep kosher. There's like things that you do through the day, let's say from the production end of the thing. So if you're broiling liver to kosher it, that's the mashkiach's responsibility. Or if you're using fresh eggs, that's the mashkiach's responsibility. Or if you're washing lettuce and you're checking for bug infestation, that's the mashkiach's responsibility. But they also do work as well. That's the new world now in the kosher world. And the price of meat and the price of kashrut, is that any, does that have any influence at all in your decision that you want to get out? No, I've been dealing with that for 40 odd years. It's always been a point of conversation. Kosher meat and kosher food is always a bit more expensive than non-kosher food. I don't think that will ever change. People will always find a reason why they can't keep kosher, but the people who feel it is um, something that's important to them, they, they make do. And if they can't, then I help out. Because one of the things I think is your motivating factor for being trying to stay in the business and make sure it stays on is that you have a role to play in the Jewish community of Vancouver and maybe even Western Canada in terms of supplying kosher products. Could you speak to a little bit about that feeling? The beginning of our conversation, we spoke about the fact that maybe I just shut the retail down and operate out of the plant only. The problem of doing something like that is that 
There are a lot of people who are sitting on the fence in terms of whether they want to keep kosher or not keep kosher. If they lose the ability to be able to just pop in on their way home from work to pick something up in order to produce something for dinner or to have it cooked already, falls by the wayside. The only people that are left, if you're just delivering to their houses, are the people who truly care and truly want kosher food. Because it becomes a conscious effort of getting online, placing that order, waiting for the delivery to come. So you got to think a day or two ahead of time. So, so it becomes more difficult for some people to keep kosher. And a lot of people, I'm afraid, would use this as an excuse saying the services are no longer there. So therefore, I don't think I'm going to keep kosher anymore. And as a Jew, in, as a Jew, period, it pains me just to even say that. But that's the reality of it. And as far as your sort of geographic situation, it is the only kosher meat provider in Western Canada, west of where? West of Ontario? West of Toronto. There is no fresh You're meat. The yeah. So where is, the, where is the shechita done? Toronto, Montreal. And then yeah. you supply the products. You're the only factory that's actually making anything with that west of Toronto. Wow. And so there are other places in Vancouver where one can get kosher food. The JCC is dairy. There's one across the street that's dairy also in the Chabad. There's a Fleischik restaurant and bakery down 30 blocks away from me and myself. And that's all of us, four. And having to make this decision and having to do this, I mean, I want to think maybe take you back to your days growing up in Winnipeg. How do you think the community in Winnipeg is feeling about this uh, now that they've heard too that you know the Omnitsky line is 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 at this fork in the road? For, I don't, that was a really bad pun. I didn't intend it that way. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's a legacy, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, I have some friends I'm still in touch with in Winnipeg. And obviously they feel that they don't want to see the same thing happen to Vancouver that happened to Winnipeg. I know that I draw from that to understand that point that I made earlier about the assimilated Jew. So in Winnipeg, it's certainly a lot of them fell by the wayside. Even some of my contemporaries and some of my friends who I knew always kept kosher homes some of them are no longer keeping kosher homes at this point in time because of the fact that the product is not accessible or as accessible as it should be. One of your conditions, would it be to keep the name Omnitsky's? Up to the new owner again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would never tell them how to run it. I kept it because of the fact that the story goes that I was working on my master's degree at the University of Manitoba when Bill Omnitsky went to see my father, Rabbi Rappaport, and asked him what he's going to do with his business because he was 65 at the time and looking to retire. So my dad said, maybe my son may be interested. He's taking a year off school. And I went to see him and I spoke to him. He says, I'll train you. I said, I don't have money to buy a business, Mr. Omnitsky. He says, don't worry, I'll take back the purchase price. And sure enough, he did take back the purchase price, trained me. And out of sheer respect for the man, when I came out to Vancouver, I decided to carry the name with me as well. And thus, still called Omnitsky's. How much of your clientele are Winnipeggers who moved out west? Do you know? No. Because of that. 
No, but I would say it seems like there's always just one degree of separation in every Jew in this world from Winnipeg. Now, if um, people would know what your business is, uh, obviously living in Vancouver, but would you say that your um, your business is a Montreal smoke meat type style? Uh, is that is that the flavor that you guys use? I know it's a secret recipe, whatever, but... No, that's exactly what it is. It's definitely a Montreal style. In fact, all my recipes come out of Toronto, out of a spice mixing company in Toronto. So it's definitely East Coast mentality. Um, some of the other recipes, salami and wieners and hot dogs, were all developed in the 50s by Mr. Omnitsky. Those are still the same recipes we use today. But the smoked meats and the pastramis are... Yeah, I was going to say, so there's a difference between pastrami and smoked meat, which not a lot of people make that difference if you're not a connoisseur. I actually don't know the difference, but... Yeah, so they start off the same in terms of being brined. And then pastrami is primarily a black peppercorn outside rub, so it's a little bit spicier. But then it gets cooked in the wood chip smokehouse, whereas smoked meat is normally a combination of some of those black peppercorns, some paprika, some sugar, and then cloves. Cloves is sort of the flavor that gives that Montreal smoked meat its unique taste. I'm 61 years old, and I never knew that until now. So this has been a life-changing interview already. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to get in touch with Epi, The link to his website is in our show notes and you can always get in touch with me and I can pass on your message. I'm at ebessner at thecjn.ca. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality and customer care. Today's listener shout out goes to Brenda Dales in Toronto. She's part of a group that restored a Jewish cemetery in Drills, Poland. And as I promised you, Here's some of the new Lieutenant Governor Anita Neville's message and Rabbi Annabel Mas's heartfelt reply. Until recently, I did not know that Government with House was on my horizon. As a young Jewish girl growing up in Winnipeg in the 40s and 50s, it is not a path I would ever have foreseen. Indeed, the journey that brought me to this place on this day in this role did not start with my birth in Winnipeg. It started more than a century ago when my grandparents fled Bessarabia in present-day Moldova and Odessa, then part of Tsarist Russia, today in the Ukraine, to escape a climate of murderous anti-Semitism and to find freedom and opportunity. Honorable Anita Neville, today blessings are entrusted to you to be a source of blessing to the citizens throughout our great province of Manitoba. author Karen Levine in marking the 20th anniversary of the extraordinary true story behind her beloved children's book, 
Hannah's Suitcase. You'll hear how the curator of a small Holocaust museum in Japan wound up on an incredible global journey, searching for a young girl named Hannah Brady. Sunday, October 30th at 2 p.m. at Beth Emmett Synagogue in Toronto. To learn more and register for free, visit beby.org slash event slash OCT30.